Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. You know, I, I wrote down my goal of being a 2010 141 pound D1 NCAA national champion. So I wrote that down in the morning when I woke up. First thing, I wake up, write it down. Um, and then right before bed, I'd, you know, I'd write it down. So I had this regimented uh, outlook on what I wanted to do throughout the day. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is yours truly, Ryan Warner. It's Friday, May 15th, and we have a great episode for you today. It's Kyle Day, Kid Dynamite, the first four-time champ ever. You know who he is. Let's just get right to the interview. Fan of the week, Jason Santos from Iowa City, University of Iowa grad, data scientist. Thank you so much for tuning in, Jason. I appreciate it. Folks, this episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago Virtual Gala. It's happening Saturday, June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m. I'm on the Young Professionals Board of Beat the Street Chicago. And folks, if you've ever done anything for me, you know, a lot of people ask, how can I support the podcast? How can I help what you're doing? Go register for this event. It's free to register. Excuse me. And I want you to see what we're doing with Beat the Street Chicago and what Mike Powell's doing with Beat the Street Chicago. Go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. You'll see the virtual gala registration page on my homepage. Click that, register. That's all I'm asking you to do. Saturday, June 6th, 8 to 9 p.m., Beat the Street Chicago virtual gala. Go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com to register. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for Kyle, Kid Dynamite, Dake. Peace. Kyle Dake, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks for having me. Excited for the conversation. I figure we could start with something that's near and dear to me, uh, journaling. And I've, I've read in a number of reports that your first day at college, your mom bought you a journal. And you continued to write in that over the course of your career there at Cornell. What did you write in the journal? And... You know, what was the meaning of that to you over your four years at Cornell there? For as long as I can remember, my mom has been, you know, the person that said, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. You can go do this. You just got to focus and, and have um, a commitment to it and, and you can get it done. So that was the, the mindset I had going into college. And since I wasn't getting that daily reminder from my mom, um, like, Hey, you know, make sure you're working, doing this, doing that, you know, whatever you can to get better. And, you know, cause she would take me to practices, you know, she'd drive me an hour each way to go to practice three times a week in the summers. And, you know, she did, she did a lot for me, uh, when I was in high school, middle school and high school. And, um, when I got to college, I wasn't going to see her every day. So she found this this Cornell journal at the Cornell store and was like, Hey, you know, basically here's, here's for you to take over where, you know, maybe I was, why well, I was helping you. I know you already do this, um, something like this, but you know, continue, continue to do it every day. So I, you know, I kind of went, went along with it and, you know, I, I wrote down my goal of being a 2010, 141 pound D1 NCAA national champion. So I wrote that down in the morning when I woke up first thing, I wake up, write it down. Um, and then right before bed, I'd, you know, I'd write it down. So I had this regimented, uh, outlook on what I wanted to do throughout the day. 
And, you know, it wasn't every time I put pen to paper, but a lot of times I would put pen to paper and I'd write down the goal. And, um, you know, it was just something to keep me, it was like a, it was like a tether and it kept me, kept me on track to, to get to where I wanted to be. And that's something where, you know, after year one, when you actually won, you know, year two, you wrote it twice. And then by the time it was year four, you were writing it eight times a day. And I, from what I understand, you're pretty OCD about it, where if you didn't, you know, write something in the proper, uh, you know, if you maybe fudged a, a letter or something, you tear the sheet out and do the whole thing over again. It was that important to you. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of it had to do with just like mentally locking myself in and not giving myself any mental breaks um, when it came to that stuff. Obviously, I'd give myself mental breaks doing other things, um, whether it be, you know, unwinding and, you know, playing a video game or, you know, hanging out with buddies, playing a card game or playing mafia or whatever it was. I'd obviously do that. But when it came to writing down my goals, I, I had to make sure I took it super serious because I wanted to. I was taking myself seriously. And that was, and that was kind of like my gift to myself was like, Hey, if you really want to do this, do this for yourself. And let's, you know, at, at least you can say that you did everything, you know, you, at least you can say you, you tried everything to, you know, you put your whole, your whole life around this goal. And so, yeah, if I messed up a letter, I'd tear out the whole sheet. Sometimes it'd be the last line on the back of a page and I'd have to go back and rewrite you know, a whole page or a whole two pages, um, to do it. But I don't, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess it was, it wasn't OCD cause I could stop, mm-hmm. but it was, it was just the, it was something that I wanted to do that I wanted to make sure that, you know, and I knew it, it would never hurt if I wrote it a couple more times. And, uh, that's just, yeah. that's just the way it was. When I like that, it's, it, to me, it really exemplifies what you've coined this, I really love this term, but the priority filter. But, you know, I thought that was something you started later in life, you know, after 2016, after 2017. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you started it almost day one of college as well because you, know, you weren't a partier, you weren't a drinker, and really started to look at each action and analyze every decision on a daily basis, saying, is this going to bring me closer or further away from my goals? Um, could you just maybe talk about that? Cause I think that's really unique for someone that young to have that uh, thought process. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't, I didn't necessarily coin the term at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, priority. For, I don't, and I don't even know if I coined the term. I know I, <laughs> I don't think I've seen it everywhere. I, I've seen people talk about filters like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to filter, you know, these ideas through, you know, yes or no, or da da da. Um, maybe I am the first one to say priority filter. And if so, it's already been copyrighted, so nobody else can take it. So there we go. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but, you know, I had always been doing it uh, for a long, long time. I I can even remember in in high school and and middle school, you know, like, is this going to make me any better? Like, is this going to make me better at wrestling or is this going to make me better at baseball or football or whatever I wanted to do? I was like, is this going to help me? Um, And and if the answer was no, then I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, like, one thing that I remember is like, you know, I was, I was skateboarding with one of my buddies and, um, you know, I wasn't great at skateboarding. I didn't, I didn't really put much time into it, much effort into it. But, um, what I, what I did was I'm like, well, I, I wanted to be able to do a, a kickflip. And I was like trying and trying and trying. One time I just like got really close to just like not breaking my ankle, but like, I felt like I could have broken my ankle. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, am I really, <laughs> am I really gonna try to do this? Am I gonna really sacrifice my whole? Uh, it was in the fall because school had just started. Am I gonna, am I gonna sacrifice this whole football season and wrestling season because I want to try to do a kickflip? And then from then on, I never tried it again. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't have any desire to do it um, after that. And so that, you know, that was probably, I think I was in sixth grade or seventh grade when when that was going on. Um, but then, you know, obviously it carried over and, you know, a big thing is you, you can only, you know, your priority filter is a yes or no question. Is it going to help me or is it not going to help me? And if you think it's going to help you that, you know, at least the placebo effect will, will help and say, it will help you. You know what I mean? So I, th- I, I forget what the, what the percentage is that the placebo effect works. I think it's like 33% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, 
you know, so I, I had made those decisions like, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. And obviously my, my priorities have changed. Um, and, and the questions have changed as I've learned more and more about the human body, about, you know, how, how I'm supposed to operate and, and things like that. So as, as my knowledge changed, my priority filter changed or it didn't, the filter didn't change. The, the answer just changed. So, um, that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at right now. And, you know, who knows, 10 years from now, there could be something different that, that causes another change. And, you know, I guess, I guess there's a, you know, you have to have a moral code, you know, attached to it because if I didn't, I would be, you know, I'd be doing steroids every day and because, oh, this is going to make me better. And, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously there are drawbacks, a ton of drawbacks to doing steroids. I wouldn't re- recommend anybody do them. Um, but, you know, those are, those are, that's a slippery slope that, a lot of athletes can get on because, you know, maybe their pain or, or their body's just not working like it used to or whatever. Um, it's, you know, it's gone through so much damage, you know, it's daily damage, you know, not eating right. You're not, you know, you're not drinking what you're supposed to be drinking. You're, you know, you're doing things that are harmful to your joints and your cartilage. And, um, you know, those are, those are, you're going to have those consequences down the road. And when people, don't like the result of, of their previous actions. They look for something else. And a lot of times, um, you know, that's either retirement or sometimes it's people doing steroids and trying to get an edge. And you were, so that being said, have a moral code and, (laughs) and don't, and don't do steroids. Um, but do everything that you can to get to the best that you best you can possibly be. And you're, um, I'm fascinated by the work you're doing with functional patterns and, and how that's changed some of your daily habits, and we'll definitely get into that. But um, you meant, you just mentioned your retirement there in passing, and you know, again, from what I've found is that you were contemplating retirement. I don't know if it was like 2016, right around there, but you know, four year, you know, four four time national champ, just unbelievable college career. Obviously, anyone knows that. But then, you know, from 2013 through 2017, it was you were battling the best wrestler maybe of all time but also dealing with some pretty serious injuries. You had the Liz Frank, and then you had, I don't even know what to call it, shoulder, bicep, everything. <laughs> Something was, was wrong there. And so you had two big injuries. Did you ever think about retiring during that time? After, after I hurt my foot, I was like, you know what? This, is, this was a fluke accident. This wasn't, you know, this isn't anything serious. Like, it's serious, obviously, but it's not, it wasn't my fault. Like, there, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, none of my previous actions, this was just a freak accident. And, you know, and that's how that's how a lot of people view injuries nowadays. They're just like, oh, you know, wrestling's a tough sport. It's a, you know, it's a freak accident. And there are certainly, 100%, there are certainly cases where that happens. And it happened to me, um, unfortunately, um, you know, when I, when I hurt my knee in 2018. So um, the, the idea behind it is that, or not the idea behind it, I guess what I, where I'm going with this is that, after 2013, I was like, you know what? I can still do this. And then 2016 comes around, or 2015, really. I fractured my scapula, um, and I got an x-ray at the OTC. I was wrestling with one of the Greco guys, and um, there were supposed to be no throws. And um, he ended up throwing me, and I, I wasn't ready to fall, um, thinking because I had no idea he was going to throw me. Then when it was too late, I tried to defend and ended up destroying my shoulder well at first like oh it's just a you know it's just a fracture you'll be okay six weeks come back you'll be fine well six weeks came around eight weeks came around i'm like i'm not doing any better like my shoulder is still ripped apart like i'd been doing some rehab and you know trying to trying to get better so i went and got an mri and um my shoulder was just you know destroyed it was it was it was really really messed up and, but I had already, you know, made that decision to come back and, and do everything to, to get better. And, um, so I, you know, I, I still wrestled, I guess that was the end of 2014 and leading into 15. So then I wrestled in 15 with a, with a bum shoulder. And then, um, you know, I, I was like, well, this is Olympic year. If I get, I can't get surgery now, if I get surgery now, I'm not gonna be able to wrestle at the Olympics. I'm going to be rehabbing the whole time. So I just, I just decided that I wasn't going to get surgery until after the Olympic games. Um, and you know, I was going, Jordan ended up winning in 2015, I think, or getting a medal. I think he won. And, uh, Jake Herbert did not, did not medal. So there was nobody sitting out. So I was, and I had wrestled with all those guys before. 
and I had done, you know, I've done fairly well. I'd, you know, I feel like I, I do well at weight classes when I, when I move up. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I was going to get, try to get bigger and move up. And, um, I did that. And that was, like I said, end of 2015. And so 2016 comes around, obviously I, I don't make the team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting down in anti-doping after, after the Olympic trials, just, you know, like, what the heck just happened? How did I let that slip away? I was, you know, I had so close to, to making, you know, to, to accomplishing that goal of making a team and I just let it slip away. So, um, afterwards I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it and like, man, this, and then it hits me. I'm like, man, my shoulder really hurts. Like, this is, this is, this stinks. This is, this is, this is not good. And then, you know, I kind of convinced myself, I'm like, Hey, you know, the reason you think it hurts is because, um, you know, you're, you lost and you know, it's, it's not as bad as you think you're just sulking yourself. So I, you know, I gave myself some time and, um, once I, once I mentally recovered from not making the team, I was like, yeah, my shoulder still hurts. Um, <laughs> this, this is not fun. I hate, I hated the two surgeries, three surgeries that I had, um, with my, with my foot and I'm not, I, I, I've been battling this injury for over, over a year and a half now. What do, you know, what do I do? And it was, it was around that time where I had found functional patterns to, to help me with a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and it, and it had helped, it had helped a lot. And then, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, had nothing to do with my shoulder just because the tutorials that I found online, I couldn't, I, I didn't see any practitioners and, you know, it was kind of in a, in its early stages. Um, but then, you know, moving, <clears throat> moving on with my life, I was like, man, uh, do I want to, do I want to get this surgery and try to come back or do I want to just go into coaching? You know, you know, I feel like I, you know, I feel like I have more to give, but at the same time, this, this shoulder thing is, it stinks. And what if it doesn't take and what, you know, all this hard work I put in and, you know, so I, obviously I, I made the choice to stick with it and, and to come back. So I had ended up having the surgery, um, you know, doing, doing the rehab and, and, starting to starting to funnel into functional patterns and you know actually get some i i ended up going out to seattle where their headquarters was at the time um and being able to work with a couple of the practitioners out there for like i don't know a week i i would for like eight days or eight hours straight um wow every day for seven days could and you know, I, I couldn't do a lot. I couldn't really do a lot. And, and I got lucky because when I did go out there, they were having uh, their highest level course. So at the time, it was an HBS2 course, which is a human biomechanics specialist course. And um, there was probably, I don't know, 20, 20 some people there who were, who were going through the course. And now they just let me let me sit in. So I, I had sat in on the course. And before, you know, after after the eight hours or after the six hour course, Naudi and I would spend at least two hours, you know, going over my stuff and figuring it all out. Um, so did you ever think that like, man, how did I go this long in my athletic career without knowing some of this stuff? Oh, Oh yeah. And, and that, you know, the answer came pretty quickly is because it wasn't available, Mm. you know, and nobody, nobody knows it. Nobody, nobody has that understanding. Um, if they did, if they did, it would be out there. And it, I have, I, you know, during that time I was scouring, there was, I, I mean, I, I pretty much knew all the practitioners, you know, who were, who are supposed to, you know, the best strength and conditioning coaches, the best physical therapists, the best, all these people. And I had, you know, I basically reached out and, and found their website, found their profiles and, you know, really did my homework to try to find somebody that, you know, could help me. And all of them were doing the same things that I was already doing, you know? So I had, you know, I taken what they were doing. I was trying to do all those exercises and I was doing different loads and I was doing, you know, all sorts of different things. And, you know, and like deadlifts and things like that, or what, what types? Well, well, it was just, you know, all that stuff, obviously all the Olympic lifts and, and, you know, Cornell had, has still has an excellent strength and conditioning program. You know, the, the, 
um, the coaches there are, are incredible The you know, they're, they do great work. Um, but it just, it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it didn't work for me. Right. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, when it's like, I, just my knowledge changed and, and I, you know, all of those people that work over there, I have awesome relationships with them. And I, you know, I was there, I was that guy. I was always, I was always over there. I was always trying to be, um, get better. I was putting in the extra time and I had built up really good relationships with them. But then when I found new information, um, and it, it wasn't just like one day I found new information. It was like slowly building and slowly building, um, to find it. But, um, I had, I had to make the switch over to, uh, patterns and basically just hand over my career to, to the people at FP and be like, listen, I need your help. I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this without you. Um, so, you know, there are some certain things that they made me, made me look into and, and research and, um, you know, just ba- basic stuff, you know, what kind of water you're in that, that you're living in, you know, are you in a, are you in a toxic and putting your feet on the ground or grounding yourself? Um, and you know, just just do do that research. Figure out what what that is. I've already done it. I'm telling you, it's good. You can either take my word for it, and you can do the research. I wasn't going to take his word for it because I barely knew the guy. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to research it. Mm-hmm. So you know, going through all these research articles and and finding out that this stuff is real. It's just it's it's free, so people don't want to get the, get the information out because they can't make any money on it. Like I there's no I can't make any money by telling somebody to go out in the sun. Like right now, I'm sitting <laughs> in the sun right now. I can't make you know I'm not I'm not going to make any money by telling someone to go buy you know nine dollar uh, blue blocking glasses because that's all you really need, or to turn the lights off at night and use a candle. You know I, I'm not gonna, you know it doesn't it doesn't benefit me in any way other than it, it's helping somebody and I'm like man this is helpful to them. I feel good about it and. Um, you know, that's it, you know, telling somebody to turn the Wi-Fi off at night, you know, that's, that's something simple or, you know, hardwired in, or, you know, there's, there's different steps that you can take and the information's all out there. And I've already said it. I mean, this is nothing new that I haven't said right. before, but, um, you know, basically they were like, Hey, this is, this is an area of research that you need to be doing. Like this is, this is how you, this is where you need to put your energy. So I did it. And, you know, once I got all of that stuff, kind of locked in and then not and then you know being able to work with naudi and work with pablo at fp it uh it set me on a on a new trajectory and i was i was feeling feeling great you know i i wish you know i wish i had found them found them sooner obviously because i feel like it would have stopped some of the damage that i had was going to put my body through to to get prepared um but it also you know i would have been been able to, you know, actually nourish my cells rather than, you know, thinking that, you know, just, oh, uh, uh, carbs and fat and protein, you know, those are the only things that matter to your performance. And it's, you know, that's so, you know, it's, it's so ridiculous that people think that way. Um, it, it does, it literally makes zero sense. No, you know, it, and there's no excuse anymore because everyone that's probably listening to this has a phone with internet access. <laughs> so they can do the research that, you know, they can go in and look for it and nobody's hiding it. Go find it. Nobody's hiding it. Go find it. And, and you'll see. Um, but you know, there's just cognitive dissonance and, you know, confirmation bias. Like, Oh, the first article I see is, you know, about how, you know, I need to be getting my carbs in at this time and this time after, after I work out, then I'll be good. But yeah. That, it plays a small role. Um, but there's, there's a lot of other things that you need to be, need to be worried about. Um, but anyway, so long, long story run around. As soon as I found FP and, and late 2016, I had been, so when I was out there, I had, I had been only a couple months outside my surgery, so I wasn't able to do a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally around January, January, February, I was actually able to do, you know, I was, I was close to, um, being able to wrestle live. Now that doesn't mean I was, you know, I, I wasn't a hundred percent by any, by any sense of, uh, of the word. And, you know, I was, so February, March, April, April comes around, I have to wrestle, wrestle again. And 
it was tough, you know, it, it was really tough to, to be able to go out and compete in 2017, uh, coming off of surgery and, and not really having much, much time to prepare. And, you know, I was really close again. Um, you know, a couple, couple mistakes and, um, you know, and that's really what it comes down to, you know, it's a tiniest margin of error and, um, I made those errors and I, and I can't, I can't allow that to happen. So, um, you know, after 2017, I, you know, I, I was like, you know, what, FP is the best way for me to go. Um, so I just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. And, um, you know, I, I kept getting better and kept fixing my problems. And, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like an onion, um, you know, peeling back all these layers. Uh, you know, you, you think, you think one thing is gonna, is gonna fix all of your problems and it just reveals 10 more. Right. And, you know, it just, you know, you, you get fix those 10 and now all of a sudden there's another hundred that you're having to go through. And the, as the knowledge grows and as you peel back more layers, you realize that, you know, maybe some stuff that you were doing before doesn't work. And, and that's happened. I mean, literally every single time I, I go out and train with Naudi, he was in Seattle. Now he's in, in Hawaii. Um, Every time I go out and train with him, he's like, yeah, you remember that stuff we were doing? I wouldn't do that anymore. Don't do it because it, there's missing variables. So it's like, you know, he's constantly evolving and changing. And every time, you know, every time I've gone to him, every movement that he's given me, it's given me relief. It's given me, you know, it's given me some sort of, it's given me a benefit. And, um, but you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And, you know, so now he's got me in a position where, um, you know, I, I think I think he's getting pretty close. I think he's probably, um, he. I mean, he's definitely the best. He he definitely knows the most about the human body that I've ever met or seen. You know, maybe he doesn't know all the intricate, you know, tiniest little muscles that control your eye or your mm -hmm. ear or something. But he can certainly get you out of pain. You know, get rid of your back pain without any drugs and get rid of your knee pain, ankle pain. He, you know, he can do all that stuff, and and he's done that for me. And he's, he's made me, a, he's helped me become a lot better at moving. And by doing all this, I'm able to pick up things way faster, you know, whether, you know, there's some people that are just, you know, it, it, you, you look at a guy, um, let's, you know, let's take Gabe Dean, for example, if I take Gabe and I'm like, Hey, do this movement. He's like, he's like, okay, I can do that. I'm like, all right, well now do this where you kind of, you know, you kind of have to fold your body this way in order to get there. And he's like, yeah, that's not happening. That, there's <laughs> rarely, there's rarely a time where there's a move. Now there used to be, it used to happen all the time. It used to be like, Hey, you got to move this way. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Now there's no, there's nothing really that someone can throw at me and I can't, you know, I can't pick it up pretty quickly. And, and that's the cool part, you know, and, and really the test, the test that I, you know, used to, to figure that out was working with Jordan Oliver when he was up here, you know, we were training, every single day mm -hmm. and his body type and my body type are pretty vastly different. And, um, the way he's able to move in his stance and do things, I picked it up much faster than, than the times I was out in Arizona state training with him. So I was like, Oh, okay. I can do this stuff now. And then I was taking what he was doing and I was making it better and I was giving it back to him. And he was like, yeah, that feels good. And, you know, so now we were just enhancing each other and, um, so, so that's, that's kind of where FP's taking me. And, um, I guess I'll, I guess I can stop right there. Um, talking about, talking about that timeline, but after 2017, I was full bore 20, you know, full bore FP and, and, uh, able to take 2018 by storm and take it by storm. You did, sir. And it's, you know, the, uh, you know, outside of the Oregon in 2018, I don't think you've lost since then. Um, but one of the things I really thought was interesting about watching the videos and for the folks listening, just Google Kyle Dake functional patterns and you'll see some of these awesome workouts they're doing. One, the weight doesn't, you're never using too heavy of a weight, which looks, you know, is, is kind of counterintuitive. And, but the second thing is this guy has really gone out of his way to learn wrestling. Cause a lot of the skills you're doing, you're like doing a kind of like a, a shot, but then you do maybe a, yeah, you pump up a kettlebell and then you throw a ball. It's like the movements are made for wrestlers. So I, I got to tip my hat to those guys on really learning the ins and out of wrestling. That had to be a big process for them. Yeah. 
yes and no because at the end of the day he's trying to make me like walking running throwing and standing are the you know the four things standing is not really a movement but walking running and throwing are three big movements that are a priority you know as humans our priority is to walk run and throw and that's where we came from that's how we survived for thousands of years before we could you know have have trucks loaded with fruit from florida driven up to or flown up to ithaca new york you know we never had that before we had to eat what was around us right and we had to hunt what was around us we didn't have livestock you know we didn't we were just moving around so um you know we, we had to have specific skills and you know if you didn't have those skills you weren't eating so walking running and throwing were the skills that you needed in order to survive so knowing that and taking that as a priority um that's really where he's put me in into really good shape. Because if you, you know, if you're a really good sprinter, you know, let's take LeBron James for example. He he can he can sprint, you know, he's sprinting up and down the court all the time. Yep. And he he can move really well. Um, you know, or you know, someone like Floyd Mayweather, or Barry Sanders, they can sprint really really fast and move really well. Um, if you gave them a good coach in wrestling, or you put him near someone who knew what they were knew what they were doing with wrestling they pick it up like that that's how now is he's like he moves really well for a human now he's you know he's not a professional athlete he's never he's never done that because you know he just he didn't he's five foot four or five foot three and has you know doesn't have the genetics for it um but you know the way he moves is is really really impressive and it's just he put in a ridiculous amount of time trying to map it all out and figure it all out and he's now he's trying to you know, put those downloads into me. And if I tried to do that same workout, if I tried to do that same workout that you're, you're talking about, um, in 2016, when I first saw him, it would, you would be like, what the heck? Like it, it wouldn't, even, I couldn't even do it. I couldn't finish it. There's no way, right. There's no way I could finish it. And it's simply because I didn't, I, I had so many, um, deficiencies in my, in my movement and in my muscles and in, you know, in the way my bones were and joints were set up that there was, there was no earthly possibility for me to do that. So, um, he really, he has picked up wrestling. He has watched, you know, he has watched a lot of film, um, you know, trying to help me, um, you know, get better at certain movements. But at the end of the day, he's really just trying to make me a better human. And the way he's doing that is through walking, running and throwing. Well, man, if you watch the videos, it just seems like you're moving very fluidly and you know, pain-free almost. It's just it's awesome to watch. And the other thing that I've read has changed a lot for you is uh, your diet. And so if you were to go back to freshman year, I think you room with like Stryker Lane, the heavyweight at the time. You know, what was yeah. your diet back then as opposed to, to what it is now on a daily basis for you? Are you cutting carbs? Are you thinking about it that way at all? I mean, I've seen your Instagram and some of the meals you eat. It looks pretty awesome, but just generally, what are some of the principles you've changed over the years from a diet perspective? You know, and my freshman year, I would, you know, I'd go to the dining hall and whatever was there, it was pretty much what I would eat. Um, you know, they had a, they had a Asian section where you could get like, you know, uh, stir fry and walk. And, um, they had Italian section where it was just pretty much pizza and pasta. Mm -hmm. They had, they had their grill, so you get grilled chicken, but it was always dry. You get a turkey burger, or you could get, you know, a, a hamburger, um, or whatever. And then they would have like mac and cheese, and they would have a salad bar. Um, you know, sometimes they would have something forever. And you know, obviously they had their cereal bar and their ice cream bar, and like that, you know, just like a right. what a typical dining hall looks like. And I just ate was at the dining hall. <laughs> and most of the time it was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't focused on it. I was just like, okay, I, and I was really worried about calories in calories out. I was worried about, um, were you cutting a lot? You know, in I was kind of worried about, oh yeah, I, I cut a ridiculous amount in college. I, I mean, I don't even like to talk about it other than teach people the, the lesson, but you know, my freshman year I came in, I only weighed 150 pounds. Um, I grew about an inch and I grew about two inches wider. And then I was all of a sudden I was 100 and 162 pounds, you know, a week and a half before the conference tournament. So I was I was really really big. Getting to 141, um, right? Yeah. Oh. And then yeah, and then the next year, um, 
going 149, it was it was similar. I was 162. I was like, oh, 49 is gonna be easy. <laughs> and I grew, I grew another inch wide, and my legs started to put on some size. And all of a sudden, I was winning 170, 172, uh, getting down to 149. So I was cutting, oh. you know, a, a ridiculous amount of weight. Um, and then I weighed about 172, cutting down to 57. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be easy. And then uh, my senior year, I weighed about 100 and, 169. Actually, I lost some weight um, going down to – or going to 65. So um, I ended up – you know, I, I was – after my sophomore – at the end of my sophomore year, I was probably um, a 57-pounder. And then I probably could have been a 57-pounder for the next couple of years after that. Um, but obviously, you know, things change. And, you know, I, I have – some traumatic experiences, you know, from those days of cutting weight and I wouldn't recommend anybody do it. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess the one silver lining thing is, is that it made me tougher. Um, but I, I always felt like I was kind of tough yeah. as it is. So, um, <clears throat> that was, that was, that was really tough for me. It's to, ironic to though, because when people talk about the fact that you won four tiles at four different weights, People who don't know you, and I even thought this, thought, man, that's cool. He's not cutting weight. He's just moving up what his natural body weight is, but it's, like, quite the opposite. You, Yeah, you were moving up because you are growing, but you were still pulling a ton of weight at the time. Yeah, I mean, the last two years, I, the last two years I didn't cut any weight, really. I mean, I weighed 172 going down to 57. That was, for me, that was nothing. That was, that was simple. That was, I could do that. I could do that twice a week you know, and, and not, not, not bad an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then my senior year, obviously I, I decided to go up again to, you know, try to try to cement myself in history. So, um, and if yeah. we, if we tie that back to the, to what you're eating now. And so obviously then you were, you were extremely focused back then, but you were still eating, you know, a college diet, I guess, uh, as much as you could when you weren't cutting, but now, for example, what does your uh, – are there things you don't eat now outside of the obvious sugars? But, I mean, like brown rice, quinoa, sweet potatoes, are you eating all that stuff? And if so, like what does what your diet look like now as compared to back then? You know, I, I, I try to do my best to eat uh, seasonally. Hmm. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm currently – it's May 12th on the 42nd latitude, and – Honestly, not much is growing right now. I mean, you know, the, the trees are still kind of bare. They're starting to blossom a little bit, but we had snow a couple of days ago. So that really ruined a lot of the, you know, the fruit trees being able to grow and things like that. Um, the vegetables, you know, they just keep getting killed by all the frost and, and things like that. So um, I'm eating, I'm eating a lot of bone broth and organ meat and, you know, just, red meat i'm eating a ton of fish um i'm eating pork so i you know a lot of it has to you know a lot of what i'm eating is 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 that and obviously i eat in you know some squash that the way i look at it is that squash potatoes um rice things like that can you can store those for a long period of time mm-hmm. um uh in, in you know down in your basement or your barium or whatever um, what people did back, back then. So I give myself a little bit of break on that stuff, but, um, um, but it's like, yeah, you're I living mean, there's as a hunter gather almost in the sense you're, you're kind of putting yourself back there and thinking if I was a, you know, an Indian and uh, upstate New York 600 years ago, what would you have your disposal right now? And that's sounds like that's what you're basing a lot of your diet decisions off of. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best, uh, in that sense, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, another thing to remember is that, you know, I'm I'm not originally from, I'm not a Native American. I'm not, I'm not right. originally from here. My ancestry is from all over Europe. I don't, honestly, I don't even know where. Um, I, I'm basically just a mutt. But, yeah, I mean, my, I have fair skin tone. So, what I eat has to be different than what somebody else with a darker skin tone is going to have. Sure. Um, and, you know, you kind of got to. And this is again more research that you can do. You got to eat eat to your haplotype, and you know basically eat to your skin tone, and 
combine that, you know, you, if you, if, if you have a light skin tone, you can, you can thrive and survive more at higher latitudes. Whereas if you have a darker skin tone, you're going to struggle at higher latitudes Mm -hmm. and there's going to be, there's a mismatch there that, um, has to do with, you know, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, you, there, you would thrive more closer to the equator. There's, there's higher, you know, there's higher angle of sun and you can get more sunlight and there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, that I don't think I, I don't think I'm prepared to, to speak right concretely about other than I know that, um, people do better when they, when they have more sun and they can drink water and, um, people say, Oh, there's outliers. I, I get it. I get that there's outliers. <laughs> I get that there's people who have, you know, who have issues, pigment issues and things like that. But, um, for the most part, if you're, uh, the closer you can get to the, you know, the equator, um, especially if dark, dark, dark skin, it's, it's probably better for you. But anyway, you can, you can make it work and thousands of people have make it, made it work. Thousands of athletes have made it work, um, and have thrived, um, doing it doing it elsewhere so um I, I try to do my best i eat a ton of fermented foods i mean you know i i ferment fermented vegetables and um are, are pretty much what i eat fermented eggs you can eat too but um you can do the meats as well but i don't i, I don't venture to the meats i'd rather have it fresh fermented vegetables i'm writing uh, that down because i've never especially heard that, that that term before but uh, i'll look it up afterwards here Yes, you have. You know what? Yes, you have. You know what sauerkraut is. You know what kitchi okay. is. You know what? You know. Yeah. You know what? You know what a fermented vegetable is. You know what yogurt is. Fermented milk. You know what kefir is. So. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 And so I want to pivot. Uh, about fifteen minutes left here. I want to pivot to back. Uh, back in your high school days, you had your dad was your coach, and. You know, and obviously his dad was his coach. Your your gramps wrestled at Bowling Green and was friends with, uh, um, you know, Howard Ferguson, who started St. Ed's, that whole dynasty. So, like, wrestling's been around you forever, and your your mom was a gymnast. So, you know, athletics is just around you, but it has been your whole life. But one of my questions was, your dad seemed to pull off the dad-coach um, um, relationship better than most, I guess, because you've said that you loved going to practice and, and you still do, but um, looking back on it, you know, when did you specialize and what was the relationship like with your dad when you guys were in the room as opposed to out of the room? Um, my dad definitely pushed me and he expected me to honor all my commitments and, you know, commitments to myself, commitments to my teammates, um, commitments to my family. <clears throat> so he, he definitely made sure um, to to push me to to do those things, and it was no different in the wrestling room. He pushed me, you know, just as hard as all the other guys. And you know, he could he could, he knew how much I could take, and he knew, you know, he would he would try to he would toe the line, you know. And obviously, there were sometimes I was just like I would you know he I would feel like he stepped over the line and. And, uh, you know, he, I felt like he was yelling at me or whatever, but that was so few and far between to the number of times that he, I just felt like I was on fire. I wanted to run through a wall because, (laughs) you know, he was just like, he knew what to say to get me motivated. And he knew how to, he knew how to, to push me to, to, to greatness. And, you know, there was, there was definitely times where he, he pulled back and, um, you know, maybe he maybe he did have a plan. He never told me the plan, um, but maybe he did have a plan on when he was gonna be like. And I, I feel like he's more of like a, you know, test the waters and see every day. Mm-hmm. So you know, if he saw that I, you know, I, I had a tough day or you know I wasn't feeling great, he knew that I was. He'd be like, all right, he doesn't need to be, you know, motivated in this way. Let's let's focus on something else. Um, and you know, he had he had twenty other guys to worry about too. So right. it wasn't like he you know, all of his attention was on me. We had, we had an assistant coach, a couple of assistant coaches that helped me a lot as well. And, you know, they, they knew how to, they knew how to play, you know, play a different role depending on what was going on with my dad. And, um, you know, whether I was, you know, I just, I needed, a, I needed a minute, 
you know, I needed to not have my dad coach me. I needed to have, you know, whoever else, Coach Cottmel or Coach White or um, whoever, like, hey, like, this is what we need to do. Let's get going. And um, so he did, he did an excellent job helping me that way, like, excellent. Um, and then when we were home, you know, he would never – he would never really bring up wrestling. I don't remember. I don't remember him bringing it up, really at all. Wow. Um, my mom would bring it up, like house practice, and then I, you know, I would talk about it, and you know, I'd say, "Oh yeah, I had a, you know, I had a really good day today. I, you know, I did this, this, and this." And um, and my like, okay. And then my dad would, my dad would chime in, be like, "Oh yeah, you did this too," or and blah blah blah, and you know, be like, "Oh, what do you, you know? What did you?" you got better day. What'd you do to get better? And, and I would tell him, or, you know, like, you know, was there something that you need to improve on from practice? It was just like a conversation really with my mom, but my, and, and my dad was just like kind of steering it a little bit and being like, Oh yeah, you know, he, you know, we got to work on that, uh, you know, sit out, turn in a little bit or stand up a little bit and, and keep getting better there or keep getting better on top or, you know, it was just little things. He, and, it was it was subtle, you know. He he had a very nice he had a very good touch um, to make sure that I was, you know, he, he to make sure that he was dad at home. He wasn't right. You know, he wasn't trying to coach me at home. He wasn't trying to, you know, pull me in the rest. You know, pull me on the living room carpet and be like, hey, you got to do this and this and this. You know, you weren't doing that. What are you doing? Smacked me upside the head. It wasn't like that. Right. Um, but you know, if there was a time where I was like, come here, dad. And be like, okay, I'll come. <laughs> and yeah, you, know, you know, he'd let me do some stuff or whatever. Most of the time, I'd grab my little brother because he was he was semi big enough to handle it, but also small enough to where I feel like I could do it a do it a million times. And he could never stop me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just I had a I had a good little situation um, with my dad being able to do both the coach and the dad. And plus, your mom seems like one of the most positive people that I've read about or I've seen interviews with. She seems like always just very optimistic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how she is. She just grew up that way. And, um, you know, she, I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for her, but, um, you know, she's had her, her life experience has pointed in the direction of being ultra positive about everything and being optimistic about everything. And like, Hey, you know, this was, this is great. You know, even though you didn't get what you wanted, it's probably a good thing. You know, let's let's find the silver lining here and uh, let's focus on that and keep getting better. And, you know, we can learn from our lessons and we'll do that. But, um, you know, you know, it's not win and lose. It's win and learn. And, you know, she never said that, but that was basically the message. Um, So, uh, yeah, she she's I I had some really fantastic parents and um, they did a a really nice job with with me. Well, I know you're a a parent now, so you probably have a, a lot going on so we'll wrap this up uh two quick questions from the audience and then we'll we'll let you run here one was you're obviously a very uh, you enjoy researching and learning and so favorite book that you've read the past year or a book that you would give to someone often what comes to mind there um I, that's that's tough because it's situational um could be a couple know, there's there's some people that that would um, you know, tyranny of words is a good one. Sapiens is a good one. Um, the book I'm reading right now, eh, some people would like that. Um, you know, it, it depends. Do they want fiction or they want, you know, what, what they want. Um, well, if you had to like go in an Ferrari is good. Go ahead. Um, Monk who sold his Ferrari was pretty good. Uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many and, you know, they're, they're just, you know, most of those aren't, most of those aren't, uh, aren't research based because, you know, if, if I, if I gave you the, the last five books that I read, you'd be like, uh, why are you reading those? I don't, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. There's no point in me reading those. Um, so, you know, it'll get you. If people want to do it, they'll they'll find those books and right. if they want to do the research. You know, there's there's a couple guys. You know, like, um, you know, I'll give him a little bit of a shout out. But Yusuf Hamida, he wrestled at Maryland. Um, he's he's done doing all the research. He's been he's been like asking me questions for a few years now, and 
you know, if he asked me what books I was reading, I'd rattle them off and he'd be like, Oh, I've heard of those. I've heard of those. I wanted to read those. Oh, tell me about it. Tell me, you know, where if I, you know, I tell you guys on my podcast, you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> now I'm curious. What is one of those five? That you no, read? I can't tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. You're not ready for it. Maybe next time when you, when you uh, come back, we'll be able to talk about them. That's fair. Um, last one for me. And you know, the name of the show is called wrestling changed my life. And obviously wrestling is your life. So it's, little tricky to answer but i wanted to ask you about one of your coaches that had a big impact on your life and how he influenced you uh coach spates was obviously a big part of your career at cornell so if someone said hey how did how did coach spates impact your life um what would you say to that um he he taught me he taught me maybe not during my career um there no he, he definitely taught me while i was there um but I, I had a really hard time applying what he was teaching me. Um, but it was just how to turn, turn it on and turn it off. Um, you know, that, that competitive nature. Uh, um, I would say during college, I was 99% turned on with competitive spirit and just go and go, 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 go. Um, and, you know, it took a long time for me to realize that I needed to, to flip that switch and, and uh, relax. You know, and, and he was, he was really, really, you know, he was just a very calming presence and I needed that. I needed that because I was so, I was so intense, um, during my college career and he was just, you know, just being around him kind of you know, brought me down a few ticks. Whereas if I had been around another guy who was just as intense as me, I probably would have just like blown up. You know, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have survived. So, um, you know, I, I, I definitely needed him to be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's go 80% right now. You know, we don't need to go hundred percent. It's the first three minutes of practice. You know, let's, let's, let's calm it down a little bit and, and get going. But, um, I've really, you know, just looking back on, you know, what the lessons that he's taught me and, and I read through some, I did some journaling, um, outside of the, uh, the goal writing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess that, I wouldn't call that journaling. I just that, call that goal setting. But I had some jo- journal journaling and looking back at some of the stuff. So I wrote, some of the stuff I wrote down about Jeremy. Like at the time, I was like, I wasn't upset about it, but I was just like, I don't know why he's saying these things. Like I don't know why he's trying to calm me down. <laughs> like I don't get it. And I'm like, geez, Kyle, like man, you, you know, that's a good thing you grew out of that one. Um, but yeah, I I gone back and and read read what I wrote about wrote about him and the lessons he was trying to teach me. And, um, I was trying to process them at the time. I just didn't, I, I, I needed more time, needed more maturity to figure them out. And, uh, it's played a huge role in the past few years. Like, Hey, you know, just there's, there's a time where you're going hundred percent. There's a time where you need to go all the way back and just, you know, hang out with your daughter and relax and don't worry about the world. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.